Good morning. Another day in paradise, huh? Well, only three more months winter. <laughs> yeah, optimist, that's right. Well, for those of you who started dreaming of a white Christmas about last September, would you please stop now? <laughs> Enough already. But the snow is beautiful. Always enjoyed the snow and, and it's pure white. And the Bible talks about snow in a few places. Isaiah mentions snow. He said, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. What a deal, huh? We give God our sins. He gives us his righteousness. I had a good friend that I did a funeral service for him back a couple years ago. And he was a wheeler and dealer. He was always trying to make deals, going to auction sales and garage sales. And so it was just funny. It was kind of a big joke around the community that, that he was this type of a person. But at his funeral, I said, you know, Bob, his casket was there. I said, you know, the best deal you ever made was when God offered you his salvation for your sins. That was the greatest deal. And it was the greatest deal for me back in 1975 when, when I gave my life to the Lord and he changed me. So think about that when you think about snow. It's not all bad. <laughs> it's good. Pastor Ken is on sabbatical for the month of January. And we are engaged here at the church in a new series called Powerful. Now, I'm not Pastor Ken, but I do have some resemblance to Pastor Ken. <laughs> we have that in common. Last week, if you were here, Pastor Steve spoke about the power of the gospel. Man, have we seen people's lives change through the power of the gospel? Good, bad, and otherwise. Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. And God got a hold of him and changed his life. The power of the gospel. And then the, the week prior to that, Matt spoke about the power of the word of God. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And we need the word of God. We need to be in the word of God every day, getting our strength from God in through his word. Well, my name is Steve Tomerlin, if you don't know who I am. And my topic today is the power of intercessory prayer. This is a vital component to becoming an effective disciple maker. And that's what this church is headed for. Pastors and elders are leading us to become better disciple makers and really know what that means to reach out and to help people. So this idea of prayer, this ministry of prayer plays a vital role in that. Now the dictionary defines intercessor as someone uh, who is a peacemaker, 
someone who pleads the case for someone, someone who is a mediator for someone. In other words, to put it in biblical terms, that we would stand in the gap for someone. We would come before God on their behalf and ask God to minister to their hearts and lives and to help them with their difficulties and to minister to them in any way that's needed. To be a go-between, so to speak. Now I know that this morning I'm only going to scratch the surface on this idea of prayer. It's a huge topic and it would take weeks and months to even begin to understand this idea of intercessory prayer. But we'll give it a try this morning and hopefully we'll educate ourselves a little bit and we'll become learners in this, in this uh, ministry of prayer. But even more important than learning and educating ourselves is the idea that we actually do it. That God's Spirit prompts us to pray. And hopefully we'll get an understanding that, that God wants to answer our prayers, that God will answer our prayers. Maybe not in the way that we would want Him to, but God does answer prayer. And so this ministry of intercession is an important one. Let's uh, bow in a word of prayer before we begin and ask God to help us. Lord, open up our eyes to the Word of God and to this concept of prayer and to this ministry of intercessory prayer. Lord, by your Spirit, show us how much we need to be on our knees for other, other people, saved and unsaved. This I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. I remember some years ago as I was preparing this message, I was thinking about an interview that I had seen on television with Mr. Billy Graham, Dr. Billy Graham. Uh, what a wonderful man of God he was. He reached so many tens of millions, hundreds of millions probably, people around this world. Here in the States and in many, many countries around the world. Um, what a man of integrity. And God used him in such a powerful way. Um, I remember that interview, but I don't remember too much about it except for one question that always, that the interviewer asked him that stuck with me. I never could get it out of my mind. The interviewer said, Mr. Graham, this, he was probably in his 80s, probably had 50 to 60 years of ministry already under his belt. And this interviewer said, Mr. Graham, if you were going back as a young man to do this all over again, is there anything that you would change? And without hesitation, he said, I would pray more. <laughs> That's pretty amazing for a guy that was involved with that many people and so many people come to know Christ. He said, I would pray more. And we know that a lot of prayer went into his ministry. Some of those, some of those cities that he had gone into would, would probably be two to three years down the road, maybe even farther down the road than that. They were scheduled that far away. And so the pastors and leaderships of, of these cities would gather people together and, and they would form prayer groups and they would begin to pray. And they would pray for their city officials. They would pray for their neighbors and friends. And they would, they would focus 
on God's Spirit working in people's lives when Mr. Graham actually showed up and presented the gospel. So their hearts were already softened, the soil was prepared, and God's Spirit was able to move and uh, bring people to repentance and faith in him. And I remember even as a, a young guy before I was ever saved, I remember listening to Mr. Graham on TV at one of his crusades, and my heart would burn. Honestly, it, would just, it was something there that would just speak to me. And even now, after he's gone to heaven, I've watched some of his old crusades on TV, and still that same sense comes over me that God is still using this man to preach the gospel and to reach people. And his uh, library, the Billy Graham Library, there are many people coming to Christ all the time through, through a, uh, going through that library and listening to the messages that he preached over the years. So prayer was a vital part of the Billy Graham ministry uh, and the effectiveness of that ministry. The Apostle Paul, also the greatest missionary the world has ever known, also wanted prayer. And I would like to read what he said to the Ephesian church in regards to praying. He said, praying always with all prayer and watchful, watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. The apostle Paul needed prayer. Two mighty men of God, Billy Graham, the Apostle Paul. Don't you think you and I need prayer? Don't you think we need to intercede for other people? We have direct access to the throne of grace. The Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace and make your petitions known unto God. That was done for us by the blood of Jesus Christ. When Christ went to the cross, the veil of the temple was split in two, signifying that we could go boldly. We could come right into the throne of God, into the Holy of Holies. Isn't that amazing? The Old Testament priests would go in only once a year with a sacrifice. And tradition says that they tie, would tie a rope onto the priest's ankle in case something happened in there, in case he, was, he would die in there. They would pull him out with that rope because of the holiness and awesomeness of God Almighty in that place. But now you and I have access to go in there. We don't go in arrogantly. We don't go in frivolously. But we approach the throne of God, understanding who he is and his love for us and his grace in allowing us to come into that place to meet with him in prayer. I would like to... If you have your script Bibles with you or a, a Bible app on your phone, I apologize for no screen presentation. I'm not that up on this technology, so uh, I really don't know how to do that, but maybe I'll have to learn at some point. Um, but you can follow along with, in your Bibles in 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, and this is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, his student. And his son in the faith, he calls him. 
his son in the faith. And he's writing to him about prayer in this chapter. And he said, therefore I exhort, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. As I mentioned to the first group of folks who are here this morning, as we look at scripture, this is Paul's word to Timothy. We know that. But we also have to understand that the scriptures are inspired. The writers were inspired by God. They were moved along by the spirit of God to write what they did. Maybe not every word, maybe not every, I shouldn't say every word, but they, they use their personalities. God used their personalities to write what he wanted them to say. So this is God's word. This is God speaking through the apostle Paul to Timothy, and he's speaking to us as well. And he tells us who to pray for here in these verses. First of all, he says, Pray. First of all, Timothy, pray. Do we pray first of all or do we wait until things fall apart and then we pray in a panic? He said, pray first of all. He's talking about intercessory prayer here. He says, pray for all men. Now this includes saved and unsaved people. Let's talk about unsaved people for a little bit. People in your world, people in my world, and even beyond our world, around the world, God hears our prayers. Pray for the unsaved. Why? Because verse 4 says, God wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And because men's hearts are darkened by the God of this world, Paul reminded the Corinthians that the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. So this is a spiritual battle. We could talk until we're blue in the face, but if God is not working, if the Spirit of God is not using what we're saying, it will fall on deaf ears. Therefore, we need to be prayed up, so to speak, we need to pray. That's a spiritual battle. The battle be, will be won in the heavenlies, not by any other means. You've probably all had experiences where you've known people who've gone through their whole life and people have talked to them about the Lord and there's no response. They've just fallen on deep ears. I know in my line of work as a hospice chaplain <clears throat> that I meet people who are, who are dying. They're all dying. Um, I've seen people on their deathbed with only hours left to live if, if they're coherent enough to, to have a conversation. 
Ask them, are you ready to meet God? Would you like to receive Jesus as your Savior? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. Hours to live, days to live. Therefore, ladies and gentlemen, we need prayer. We need God to intervene in these folks' life. Otherwise, they're not going to come to the knowledge of the truth. I don't think we really understand the importance of prayer in ministering to people. And then we're to pray for fellow Christians. Do we pray for one another? How do we pray for one another? I've written down a few things, a few ways that we could pray for one another. Pray that your brothers and sisters would have an appetite for the word of God. That's so very important. I don't know any better way to really grow as a Christian than to spend time in the Word of God. I remember when I got, first got saved, I just could not get enough of the Word of God. And that's kind of been the way I've been my whole life. I just, I'm hungry for the Word of God. I love the Word of God. He speaks to me through His Word every day. Pray for your brothers and sisters that the Holy Spirit would quicken us to really hunger to know the Word of God and to apply it to our life. Pray for your brothers and sisters that they'll be fervent in spirit or fervent in prayer, I should say. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. Let's pray that God would give us a spirit of prayer. You know, that's the only way revival is going to happen in our community, in our church, in our churches, is for the people to pray. That's how all revivals have started, is through prayer. May we pray. Pray for their protection from the enemy. Jesus prayed that way in John chapter 17. He said, Father, I don't want you to take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. Pray for your brothers and sisters that God would protect them. He'd build a hedge of protection around them, their family, their workplace. God, that he would protect them. That there'd be unity in the body. I see a few of the folks that were at the Jonah Bible study. We talked about this a little bit. And the important essentials of Christian faith, the main things, the basic truths that we will never let go we all have that, and we can have unity. But these side issues, they may be important. They are important. But they're nothing that should keep us. They're not anything that should keep us from having unity with one another. I've met people from all walks of life, different um, denominations, people who are born-again Christians, who love the Lord but maybe think a little differently than I do, do ministry differently. But God is calling us to unity. He's calling us to love one another. Pray for unity. Pray for a total surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Jesus as Lord. Not just Savior, but Lord. You know, I've heard the, the expression, make Jesus your Savior, or your Lord. Make Jesus your Lord. 
We can't make Jesus anything. <laughs> what we need to do is acknowledge him as Lord. He already is Lord. Pray for one another that, that God would have all of us, that we'd be completely yielded to him. And then there's an interesting little book, 3 John, that John writes to his friend Gaius. And he says, Brother, I pray that you would prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. He's praying for physical and spiritual well-being for his friend. Pray for that. That's, that's good. Pray for the health of your brothers and sisters and their well-being. And then do we pray for our persecuted Christians, brothers and sisters around the world? So many, even as we speak this morning, are being persecuted. They're in underground churches. Um, you know, we get the idea sometimes that God is a God of the United States, but God is a God of the whole world. And many of these people are being persecuted in the Middle East, in China and Russia. Just pray that God would be very real to them. Pray that God would bring people around them that can minister to them and provide for them their needs. That God would bring people around them that are sympathetic to the gospel. That God would draw near to them and they would sense his awesome presence and give them strength. We're to pray for one another, fellow Christians. And then it's, he goes on. Pray for kings. Well, we don't have a king. We have a president. Do we pray for our president daily? We should be. And our government officials. It just, it's so important to be on our knees. And our president requests prayer all the time. He's asking for prayer. This is, I'm going off my notes a little bit here, but I want to tell you a little little story. Um, pastor, friend of mine, his wife and some ladies about a year ago went to Washington, D.C. on a prayer ministry. So they were going there and they were going to pray for whoever they could pray for, senators, congressmen, president, if they happened to be able to uh, get connected with him, but just pray for people. So they were on this tour and one of the ladies that was with them and kind of guiding them was her husband was a high official in the government. And uh, so they were going around one evening, they went by the chapel and uh, there at the White House. And they couldn't get in because the door was locked, it was evening. So anyway, she pulled some strings, she called her husband and they got into this chapel. And my friend's wife's or someone, she said, someone said to her, well, I bet this doesn't get used much. And she said, no, you're wrong. <laughs> she said, every day I see senators and congressmen on their faces before God, praying to God for, for this country. That gave me some hope <laughs> that these men know and women know that they can't do it on their own. Be praying for our president and for our leaders as they make some big decisions for our country. He says, pray for everybody in authority. 
civil and spiritual. I wonder, do we pray for our mayor here in Grand Rapids? Do we pray for our city councilmen, our township leaders, anybody here involved in city government? Let's be in prayer for our local government officials and leaders. How about educators? We have any teachers in the audience today or educators back here? How would you like it if you knew everybody in this room was praying for you every day? Thumbs up back there. They have some difficult challenges in our school system. They need our prayers. They need strength. They need courage. They need wisdom. Be praying for our teachers and educators. How about our police? Our chief of police, our sheriff, our law enforcement officers. Boy, when the chips are down and we, we're in trouble, who do we call? <laughs> we call the police. And they come and they lay their life on the line so that we can be protected. So thank God for the police officers. Thank God that he put them here for us. We're to pray for our spiritual leaders, our pastors and elders and leaders. I heard of one church who had a, started a ministry that was called Praying for Sunday. So all through the week, people would form groups of prayer and they would pray for the pastor as he delivers a message on Sunday that God's spirit would work and the word of God would go forth with power and boldness thought that was a great idea. Our youth pastor here, Pastor Steve and all the elders, as I mentioned last to the last group, I've been in both places and I know that most of the time the average person in the, in the congregation does not understand what goes on in a church behind the scenes. Um, not that there's a lot of big problems or anything, but there's issues that come up and they're difficult issues many times. So we need to be praying, not only for the pastors, but for the elders, the Sunday school teachers, the, um, everybody who is, has a position in this church. And we thank God for the leaders in this church. Intercession focuses on other people, not on ourselves. It's a selfless ministry. Paul reminded the Philippians that Jesus left his home and glory and came down and was subject to men and gave himself to death, even the death of the cross. And then he goes on to say, consider others better than yourself. Don't look on just on your own things, your own interests, but look on the interests of others. So this, is, this ministry is focused outward on other people and how we can minister to them through prayer. But there will be some discouragements, right? <laughs> discouragements can come. Men in my life, we've been praying, we see no visible answer. Or how about this one? We pray and things get worse. <laughs> you ever had that happen? 
hey, what's, what's this all about, God? Things have gotten out of hand. We feel like quitting because when we pray, things get worse. We want things to happen in our time frame, in our timetable. The psalmist, many of them prayed, God, help me. Where are you, God? Why aren't you listening to me? Why aren't you hearing me when I call out to you? Job was another man who did that. He cried out to, the, to God when he lost his family and he was sick himself and everything taken away from him. God, where are you? You ever feel like that? Where are you, God? How come you're not listening to my prayers? But God does listen and God does hear. But the results of, of that in our prayer life of not getting visible answers when we want is that our prayer becomes routine. And it's like a laundry list. <laughs> Check this off. <laughs> okay, well, I got through that today. I got through my prayer list. It becomes very routine. And it becomes generic and not specific. You know, we just throw up a bunch of prayers like, bless this and bless that and work this out, work that out. We throw up a bunch of prayers and hope maybe a couple of them will stick <laughs> and that God will answer our prayers when we should be praying specifically for other people and their specific needs. And then we don't look for or expect answers. Boy, have I failed here. I keep praying and then I'm not, not really paying attention. I prayed for people sometimes for quite a while, quite a long period of time, years. And then I'm praying on a, on a certain day and all of a sudden it dawns on me. That person, God answered that prayer. You ever had that happen? Forget to praise him. I feel ashamed of myself because I'm not looking for him to answer. That's a lack of faith. I'm not expecting him to answer me. But he does answer. We forget to thank him. And as a result of our discouragement, our prayer life becomes sporadic and it's, well, maybe on this day I pray a little bit. A couple days later I'll pray a little bit. Next week I'll pray a little bit. It's not regular prayer, regular meeting with God. we may give up altogether in interceding for other people. Now comes the time for honesty for all of us, myself included. Is your prayer life stagnant? Are you going through the motions? Are you just giving God a list of things and hoping that maybe by chance he might answer one of those requests. You know what happens when we fail to intercede for people? Their lives are impoverished. They are vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. Boy, I remember my mom and dad were prayers, especially my mom. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for them. 
uh, especially my mom's prayers. She was a prayer warrior. She was a timid person, but she wasn't timid with God. <laughs> and she prayed and they prayed. And I miss those prayers because they've been gone a long time. So I miss, I miss that dearly. Don't impoverish somebody else by, by not praying for them. Maybe we're close to throwing in the towel. We're about ready to give up on some of these prayers for family member, for a daughter, son, granddaughter, grandson, husband, wife, that marriage, uh, pastor, whatever, whoever it might be. We might be just about ready to say, you know what? Whatever. Nothing seems to happen. But God hears. This is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Men should always pray and not give up. <laughs> That's from our Lord. He said, don't give up. The Apostle Paul in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, he said, if we pray according to the will of God, we can know that he hears us and that we will have the petitions that we desire of him. It may not come exactly at the right time that we want it to, but God hears us and God answers our prayers. Don't give up. Prayer is the key that unlocks the promises and the power of God. Truly, I mean that. It really does. You know, I remember, I'll shortly here soon be 69 this month. I remember when I was younger and even not too many years ago, people wore the big key ring with all the keys hanging on it, you know, so they could get into every buildings and cars and all this stuff. Not so much anymore with technology. <laughs> You don't even need a key to start your car. Or you, you know, just things are different now than they used to be. This key, a prayer is voice activated. <laughs> we just call on the name of the Lord and he hears us. That's what the psalmist said. God, you will hear my voice. And God moves in response to our prayers. It's not programs, even though they're good. Programs are not bad in themselves, but that's not the key. More talk, well, it's good, but it's not the key. And dare I say, even preaching and teaching are not the keys that unlocks the power of God. Because they're limited in their effectiveness without prayer. Without prayer, we're not going to be very effective in ministering to people and helping people because the deep things of God go here into the heart where you and I can't even go. I can't, I don't have access to somebody else's heart, but God does. And so when I pray, then God 
opens up their hearts. He has access into their heart and ministers to them. Conventional wisdom about prayer says this, pray, throw up a little prayer, and then go do something. We're a society that likes to be active and do. That's how we relate to our Christian faith. And that's not bad. We know we need to do. We know we need to go out and reach people. We know that. But Oswald Chambers says prayer is the work. And God's Spirit works in response to our prayers. I don't even understand that. <laughs> this thing called prayer. That God would involve me and he would involve you in his ministry, in reaching people and building up the kingdom of God. He wants to involve you and me. And he does that through our prayers and then through our working, of course, our hands and feet. We do his work. But he's involving us in this ministry of prayer. And as we pray, he works, and I don't understand that at all. God wouldn't have to do it that way. He doesn't need us but he's chosen to work that way. Intercessory prayer, I'd just like to make this statement before the worship team comes up. Intercessory prayer connects us to our heavenly father and affords us the wonderful privilege of working with him to build his kingdom. Love the worship team come up. We'll have our last song and then we'll Stand and have a closing prayer. Why don't you go ahead and stand and join us?
know there are people on your heart and mine like there is there are on mine um, people that we prayed for for a long time and we've seen no results but God is answering those prayers and God is working so let's not give up let's keep praying let's ask God to revitalize our prayer life and forgive us for our lack of faith and allow the Spirit of God to have his way in our hearts and lives I would just like to give us one warning from scripture the psalmist writes if I regard iniquity in my heart the Lord will not hear me so if we have any known sin or any unforgiveness in our hearts and lives we can get that right with God right now so there's an open avenue for us to speak with our Heavenly Father and come before him with our requests um, as we bow our heads to pray uh, be thinking about those folks and praying for them even now as we close in prayer and uh, so would you bow your heads with me please I would just ask uh, in this moment that maybe there's somebody here who has not trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you don't know Jesus you can receive him right now into your life and heart and your life will never be the same again so I would ask you now to if you'd slip up your hand if you'd like to receive Christ as Savior today someone here Father I just pray today that Lord, you would impress upon our hearts the need for intercessory prayer, to pray for others, to pray for the lost, to pray for, the, for each other, to pray for our government officials, to pray for all men. So Lord, this week, God, just uh, reveal yourself to us in a special way in regards to this matter of prayer. So we give you this week and ask you to be glorified in our lives this week, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you very much. And greet one another as we leave.